0: There are times that scripture uh, feels like it's very traditional, very old-fashioned, old, whatever you want to say. And then there are times like this scripture when we are just right with it. It's very current, and it's all about excuses. And we are so very, very good at excuses. Now, I must say, I think the scripture kind of takes the cake, but... You know, let's just think about this. We, we just somehow can't let ourselves be honest and say, no, thank you, I can't come. No, we can't let it go at that, can we? We think we have to make some excuse or some other reason why, whatever it is. But I just love to read this parable and listen to these primo excuses given. Oh, I can't come, I just bought some land. What, so you gotta go look at dirt? Really? Gee, if you're the host, that's got to be a real bell ringer. Let's see. Oh, I can't come because I just bought some oxen. Got to go test drive those oxen. Yeah, that's going to happen quick. Okay, so the third one we could sort of leave because social code of the day was if you had just been married, then you could give your attention to your spouse for that certain amount of time. Okay, we'll let that one, that one's okay. But the thing is, you know, what is the deal here? Do they not understand what the invitation is? Why wouldn't you want to celebrate? What's the problem with going to the party? It's just such a great parable that Jesus shares to help us understand what we're doing to ourselves. And I do mean ourselves. Because we've been invited to the grand feast. It's the best party you can even think of going to but we're too chicken to go. Okay, there you go. I just think sometimes we make such ridiculous excuses because we don't want to engage in the great gift that God has for us because that's exactly what it is. And so we have to go look at some dirt we just bought. (laughs) All right, well, gee whiz, you know, it's midnight. I have to go test drive this new car. No, you don't. But that's the way it was, that's the way it felt to the host who then became rather incensed that all of you people who were invited have some reason not to come, I'm going to have a party anyway. Now the way it used to go, and again, this is not like unfamiliar to us, it was a two-part invitation. The first part was always, here's the date, and then on the day of the actual feast, they sent servants out to come and say, okay, come on over, it's ready little different but um, you know there's a lot of things that these days we have wedding invitations that the the social um, way you're supposed to do it is like six or eight weeks ahead well as God would know our lives are so busy now that's not far enough ahead so we get those save the date thingies right have you gotten those anybody got those save the date we're getting married in six months And then closer to time, you get the real invitation that gives you the date, the time, and everything else. Save the date. So that's how this invitation was delivered as well. Here's the date. And even at that point, people are saying, you know, oh gosh, I'm so busy, I can't come. And so they're taken off the list. And Jesus says, again, this is kind of like how it was is that the grand feast is prepared, and again, you know, in those days, it wasn't like we could just go to the store and get all the stuff, and oh, nobody's coming, we'll just stick it in the fridge. Uh, Not so much, because in that day, it was sort of like, okay, uh, if you're gonna have meat, how many animals do you have to go out and prepare, and all that stuff. So it was a big deal to have this kind of a feast. But then there's those excuses. God invites, are you going to respond or not? That's really it. God invites, and do you really want to go there and say you're too busy? You have to decide in your life what it is that's being asked of you. God comes to share the party with us, the bounty, and those who are bidden to come are those who scarcely expect it. That's what finally happened. The ones who were invited had too many excuses and were oh so busy. Like that's a sign of importance. (laughs) Sorry, am i stepping on toes. But anyway, that's the way we are, isn't it? If you're busy, you're important. No, you don't manage your time very well. We have to make choices. It's better to make choices than excuses. You know, it really is. Choices are okay but God invites. Are you going to accept it? I'm just saying that's the invitation out there. So it's a good feeling to know that God loves us, every one of us, and it doesn't matter which tier of invites we're in. God invites, and we're never, never excluded out, and that's some of the best news there is. We have to think about the things, honestly, that we put first in our lives, you know? That's kind of what it comes down to. Early when I started uh, ministry, very early in my career, I had the great good fortune of having a mentor, an older minister, who said, Beth, I'm telling you now, you need to get this figured out, and then everything else will fall into place. And it is what comes first, God, family, and work. Do you get it? And I said, well, yeah, that's pretty clear. And I'm telling you now, if you get any of the three of those messed up, mixed up, you're going to be in so much trouble. (laughs) And he said particularly ministers have this crazy idea that number three and number one are the same. And they are way not. (laughs) Because number three is work. It is your ministry. It is not that you are God. Don't go there big learning, you know, that's a big learning. So God is first, family, and work. In those categories, you know, your life is your life, and you've got to figure out how that all fits together. But somehow, some way, getting those in line kind of helps you figure out what comes next. So whatever our work is, whatever other time takers there are out there, the ultimate The life-giving sense of our whole lives comes from God, and that's where we are. That's the dinner invitation. And maybe that's where it is when we hear this story, is that God indeed invites, God expects us to respond. So when we go around making these sort of comical excuses, and you know you can fill in your own blank. I just, ta-da, or I have to go do, ta-da, And you decide in your own ears, (laughs) if you're hearing that, what do you think God is thinking? If you've got some reason why it is that you cannot in some way have God at the front end of your life. Now, I know that we all feel the first claim ought to be family. But the thing is, friends, that is the right place for it. Because God takes it way, way farther even than that the kind of love that we know and feel for our families, God takes it farther and deeper for us. And that's why God remains first, and that helps us with any and everything else we've got to come up with. So it's it's very obvious in this parable then that the others that get invited, okay, you people all have excuses, just get out of the way. No second chances, now everybody else gets invited. Whoever can come and be part of the feast gets to come and celebrate. We're the ones who need to hear this today, is that God does not need excuses because there's always people who will accept such a fine invitation, so we have to be careful. Be careful about your excuses. Is that really what you want to say? Now... Again, it has to do with how we temper our busyness in this life. And it's not that, again, importance equals busy. And that is so meddling, isn't it, <laughs> in your life? I'm not telling you what to do. Uh, mm No. That is your business. I might say it's your problem, but no, it's not necessarily a problem. You just have to figure out what it is that God's asking of you, and that's only ultimate allegiance, only ultimate, permanent invitation to the feast. I like what Cynthia Ping says. The main difference between the two groups of people invited to the feast in this story is the first... though they thought they had something better and more worth their time and energy and attention, decided not to go. The second group had nothing to lose because they were so poor in so many ways that they were able to clearly recognize the invitation for the privilege that it was. As a result, they received the invitation humbly and with much excitement instead of a threat to whatever they already had. Now, you see, that's a huge deal right there. God does not threaten what we have. But that's the way some of these folks saw the invitation, is to clutch onto your stuff. Oh, my gosh, I can't do this because I might lose something. When, in fact, God takes it a step farther and says, I have something more for you. So you see, there's kind of that difference And If we are able to be in a place where we understand the invitation to start with, I'm betting we're going to go to the feast. There's a classic movie called Babette's Feast. I don't know if any of you have seen Babette's Feast. It's a lovely movie. Um, The only stumbling block is that it's in Danish. (laughs) Okay, well, that's minor. Subtitles and everything, but it's written by Isaac Dynason, who actually is known as Karen Blixen. And she wrote Out of Africa, which may be more familiar to us. Lovely movie. But she really has a heart for kind of understanding these sorts of parables. The gist of the movie is this. There is a a very religious, very strict religious sect in Denmark. And the beginning talks about two women who are part of that, and they dress the same way every day, every day, every day, and every day they eat the same things. Three times a day, dried codfish soaked in water and bread, three times a day, every day, That's the way. We wouldn't want to enjoy anything because we're pious people. Well, a stranger comes among them to visit and needing a place to stay to begin her life over. Babette is from France and she is a classic chef. Long story short, she won a great deal of money in the French lottery and finally decided after living among these folks for quite some time that she wanted to do something to thank them for their hospitality and taking her in. So she decided to take her winnings and throw this ginormous party for them. Great food, I mean, the biggest party you can even think of. And so there's a lot of detail about her whisking into the kitchen and going to the market and buying all these wonderful foods, meats and vegetables and desserts to die for. The most exquisite thing, you'd like, you know, your mouth is watering right now hearing about it. So want to go to this party. Everything is set and the people come to the table. Not smile one, because you're not supposed to enjoy anything. Take a bite of the food, but you must not. And they agreed ahead of time. Nobody, mm-mm, you can't enjoy it because, you know, we're pious people. Well, you know what happened as soon as they really began to taste the wonderful food, the delicious food, the most, whatever your favorite food is, just think of that times ten. And finally, the shell breaks open and these folks enjoy themselves beyond belief. She has given such a gift. And they said, oh, we thank you so much, Babette, for spending this on us. And we suppose you'll be going home now. And she said, oh, no, I've spent it all on you. I'm home now. It's an interesting story. There will be a copy of that movie here. I believe it's Dan has a copy of that. So if you want to stop by this week and borrow it. It's, it's an interesting movie, but nonetheless, the story is the same. If you can think about the ways in which God being number one in your life and the result of that kind of party and that kind of love and that kind of joy, that's the reason God is number one in your life, to give you that opportunity. And if we wanna keep doing the lame excuses and deciding that we've got more important things to do than that, then we are missing out. We're allowing the invitation to go unused. But you just think about the beauty and the joy of that dinner party, that chef cooking all that stuff. And believe me, this was way before the Food Channel showed up. She got it. She so got that idea of sharing what she had and the great gifts she'd been giving. But friends, that's the key, I think, is that delight of spirit is what we're after. That is what God offers to each one of us, is to say, my joy is yours. I hope you can come to the party because you're the ones that are invited. I hope that we do have the good sense to lay the excuses somewhere else. Maybe there's somebody that wants to hear them, but God doesn't need to. I hope that in our lives together that we may be able indeed to join around the table. In fact, we do. Every week we have the chance to come to the table of God that offers us everything in this world and so much more. We have to pay attention to our lives and know again that when we sit at the table, when we're drawn into the feast, I hope there's a smile on your face, friends. Hallelujah. And that is the thing about the invitation that we offer as part of this congregation is that kind of an invitation to know God in that way. And if you've been waiting to make that decision or thinking about that decision, please know that the invitation on behalf of this congregation, on behalf of Jesus Christ, is always open to you you can come and see us this morning or you can talk to me some other time, whatever works for you. But know this, the invitation to the feast is always open.